Welcoming everybody to the first ever episode. I'm so excited about this. I'm pumped of the Fancy Firebox brought to you by Heat Ratio Sports. We started it last year. We're going to continue it this year, expecting bigger and better things. We're going to get some guests on the show. But for right now, me, myself, Tony Cotillo, at Ticatello23, John Coker, at PGHJohn36. And we both do fantasy stuff. John does a lot on his own. I do some stuff for Fox Sports, the gambler. And I'm finally going to bring John to the forefront here to get him out front and center because not only can he help me, but he can help you. And what we decided to do is we're going to break these things down week to week up leading to the season where we're going to take each division, break down the teams. This is going to be the AFC West division. Kansas City, Denver, Oakland, the Chargers. And we're going to break down the positions. Who to look for? What can we expect? You know, are they going to rise? Are they going to fall? Sleepers, breakout guys. So many different positions we're going to look at. But let me get to you, John. How you doing? I'm just peachy. I want to know when we're going to stop calling them Oakland. Uh, I, 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 listen, <laughs> I can't get to the Vegas. I just uh, yeah. can't get to the Vegas thing. Well, it took me a solid year to even get the, the L.A. Chargers. It was San Diego for how long, you know? Well, we, 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 we have both of them. Just like you said, you have Oakland and San Diego. Yep. And, you know, instead of Vegas and L.A. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. But I yeah. figure we start with the AFC West because Super Bowl champions. We got, we, we got to lay – we got to, you know, give gratitude. Pay homage. Right. Pay homage to to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. uh, Big Red winning his first ever uh, to the Hunt family out there in Kansas City. Uh, Lot, lots of fancy potential on this team. Uh, And I'm going to let you roll with this. Tell me what you think. Kansas City, the Chiefs, fantasy firebox, who you got? Oh, I mean, Mahomes is the – best quarterback in the league i don't care i'll take i'll take him over lamar jackson any day that's that's just me i mean i I still don't think lamar is gonna hold up for 16 games again but that's a that's a different segment we'll wait to get to that one we'll get to that patrick mahomes he's the hands down i mean i think 40 to 50 or 40 to 45 touchdowns is well within reach and i don't know there's another quarterback out there that uh you could really say that about I mean, he really – he drives the offense. Now, you're talking about when you say 40 to 45, you're talking about through the air and on the ground combined? Call it what you want. Okay. Call it what you want. I mean, air, ground, it's not like he's a, a necessarily a touchdown machine um, rushing-wise. I mean, he puts up a little bit here and there. But, no, I mean, even, even passing – I mean, he's only a, a year away from, what, 50 touchdowns? Yeah, pretty, pretty so, remarkable season. Yeah. I mean, it's – he had a his down year was twenty six touchdowns passing, you know he'll he'll chip in another one or two, but you know that was also in limited action. He only played the fourteen games, and you know he he just you know he he was injured. Um, so he had the I, ankle yeah, injury. Had the ankle injury. I I can I can definitely see forty touchdowns. You know, going and doing projections. I don't necessarily project out career years. You know, but. I got I got him locked down for thirty seven, which is uh, you know more than any other quarterback by a, a decent margin. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you. I, you know, I know we're going to get a lot of love for Lamar Jackson, and, and rightfully so. But Patrick Mahomes, just to watch. I mean, he only even though he how many were fourteen games? You said he played fourteen yep. games last year, right? Well, for, yeah, he appeared in fourteen games. Well, yeah, okay. Right. So knock that down by another game at least. 
But we're talking still 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, five picks. Five picks. That, that, I think that's one of the biggest telltale signs about Patrick Mahomes. 26 and five. Yep. That, that is remarkable. This guy, he's safe with the football. And in a fantasy kind of style offense, not only do you not want those minus twos, which I can't stand the minus oh, twos, right? Yeah. The minus yeah. twos can lose you a week. <laughs> let's yep. let's be honest with you. We'll 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 get to the 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 horrendous kicker scoring system that I can't stand with the missed field goals. Uh, I think me and you disagree upon that. But you know the five interceptions to me is is such a telltale sign. And four thousand yards in, in in practically thirteen games. I mean that that easily could have been over five thousand, and he easily could have threw for thirty two to thirty five touchdowns if healthy. Yep. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, he really drives it. And his, the thing about him, I mean, you think about the weapons he has, um, you know, and I dare I say Tom Brady-esque, um, just in the fact that he doesn't rely, like Deshaun Watson, his guy was D-Hop, you know what I mean? The, Keenan Allen was Phillip Rivers' guy. So you have all these, you know, like they got a guy, but man, Tyreek Hill could blow up one day. Kelsey could blow up one day. Sammy Watkins blows up. Nicole Hardman comes out. Demarcus Robinson and the running backs. I mean, he just – the number of weapons that he has and just his field vision is what makes him great. And, I mean, and it, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and, and that's something that you just can't teach, and that's why the ball gets spread around so much. Because yeah, I it's mean, not just one guy. Amazing. He's not forcing it in there. He's, he's buying the time with his legs. He's finding the open guy. Even if it's he scrambles out of the pocket and hits a dump off pass to uh, Damian Williams or something, you know. What? No, you're you're absolutely right. His escapability factor is remarkable. It really is. I mean, there's there's nothing else to say about it. That the guy is ghost out there when defensive ends and linebackers are trying to rush him, and his vision, like you said, I mean, some of the sidearm throws that he would throw, it's just, yep. it's, it, it's unbelievable. Nobody else does it. So he, yeah. Listen, hands down, number one quarterback in the league, uh, fantasy wise, and if, you know, even could be NFL wise as well. I mean, he he does have the Madden cover, and he is the young guy. Looks like the you know ready to lead the NFL to the next generation. So, uh, you you talked about Damian Williams, and looks like he's going to be the starter this year. Uh, had had a, had a decent year last year, up and down, right? What you know, I don't, I I can't say he was consistent for me. Uh, on a week-to-week basis, right? I mean, he 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 didn't even clip 500 yards rushing. He was not a consistent player for me last year. And I, you know, I obviously when you talk about fantasy football, you need guys that are consistent and guys are going to show up week to week. But again, this is an Andy Reid style offense, right? So we already know with Andy Reid that it's going to be a split backfield. So what do you see? from Damian Williams and beyond it, you know, where does he go with, you know, will he had a bigger expanded role this year or they do have a rookie out there as well that they drafted pretty high, you know, that they're going to expect big things out of as well. So what do you say? You know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, you mentioned Damian Williams and, you know, the up and down year per se that he had, I mean, <laughs> You go even even going into the draft or the fantasy drafts last year, he was that guy that kept slipping because you didn't know all the talk was Darwin Thompson. You yep. didn't know how much he was going to get, and he came out and he did not perform to begin the season. And it was and then uh, 
Um, but then LaShawn McCoy comes. You know what I mean? Darwin Thompson's there. Daryl Williams had a few games where he was starting. So that backfield was kind of all over the place. He did have, you know, a stretch there towards the end where he was, he was money. But once again, that's kind of where the, you know, how it works with, uh, you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I really don't know how the backfield's going to play out. I, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's the better back. Now, yes. is, is um, Andy Reid going to trust him? as a rookie when you're dealing with a MVP quarterback back there, just with pass protection, um, you know, possible fumbling. I don't know how much of a, you know, if he was a fumbler in college, I don't even want to get into that, but he's definitely more explosive. And in terms of rankings, I actually have Clyde Edwards Hilaire much higher if nothing, because of the upside. And then we kind of saw what we got out of Damian Williams last year. Well, we also know when it comes to rookies at the running back position, this brings back the good old days of Philadelphia with with Brian Westbrook, right? We all know that Andy Reid was always hesitant to expand B. West's role, even, even as he became bigger and stronger and more elusive and more electric. He still was hesitant to give him the rock in his first year. So, it, you know, it makes me think that this is going to be more of a split backfield. And, again, it's going to be week to week. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be – we've seen it in the NFL, and especially, obviously, with the running backs. It's, okay, first, first set will be Damian Williams. Then it will be Clyde. Then it will be Damian. Then it will be Clyde. Back and forth. You know, who's going to get the red zone touches? Who's going to get the rock between the 20s? It, it's going to be interesting. It'll sort itself out. But the one thing I will say, especially this year, is it's going to be interesting on how these rookies portray themselves. And and the reason why I say that, no mini camps, no yep. OTAs, right? There's there, there's There's no time to really gel, even though – Listen, Clyde in LSU was a beast. He was a beast, and it looks like he's going to be the real deal when it comes to Kansas City eventually. But giving him time to get the playbook down, giving him time to gel through the offense, that's what makes me think that Damian's kind of the guy to own at first. And then maybe, maybe we talk about week maybe six, week seven, it kind of changes a little bit. Week what do you say? Week four? Hey, exactly. No, I'm, I'm just saying, but, yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, they'll they'll start out with the trusted veteran, um, you know, start sprinkling them in. But Damian Williams isn't the uh, poster child of health either. No, so he's not. That's why, no, not. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know how, how long his leash is going to be. I mean, it's not like he's going to be a war. Damian's not going to be a workhorse. They, they got uh, Clyde there. They're going to spell him in, and it's only a matter of time before he goes down. But like I said, even last year, seeing four different, three or four different guys get starts in the backfield, granted, some of it's injury. You don't know how much of the share is going to be within a game. You don't know how much share is going to be week to week or even chunk to chunk of the season, first four weeks, second four weeks, third four, you know, the quarters of the season. So, I mean, in all honesty – as explosive as this offense is, I'm probably not going to have any shares of the running backs on Kansas City because I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to go too high. I may be, I may get Damian as like uh, I would take him maybe as a 
uh, I don't even know if I want to want him as a third, but a third third running back is probably about the right spot for him. Yeah, and I mean, listen, when you talk about any kind of positional player on a high explosive powered offense, you know, they eventually are going to give you some kind of dividend payoff because right. they're just going they're going to do something. If you know, you're talking about a Kansas City Chiefs team who could be scoring 32, 33 points per game. He's going to get some touches. So we go to the wide receiver position, and I really don't think we have to talk about Tyreek Hill, right? We all – listen, Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill. I mean, we can maybe talk about will he go up, will he go down? You know, you know it, will he do anything different? You know, last year he was hurt a little bit, right? 58 catches, 860 yards, seven touchdowns. The biggest thing, the average 15 yards per play. Obviously, he's a big play guy. Uh, will he ever be the guy that catches eight for 10, 10 for, you know, 100 every single week? I still don't think so. Uh, I think his range is probably six to seven, maybe 80 to 90 in a touchdown, which still is good. Obviously, it's really good. Uh, but I just think that there's so many mouths to feed on this team that we'll get to in a little bit that I just I, I have a hard time giving him a, a top five nod when we call him the wide receivers. Am I wrong with that? No, you're not wrong. He, he's, I mean, most leagues are PPR nowadays. I mean, that, that's the name of the game. So if you want to be a top five wide receiver, then you better be getting them catches. I yep. mean, bottom line, that's how you get points. When you got Michael Thomas catching 130 balls, Oof. Julio, Oof. Devontae, these guys are catching 100 balls. Easy. Uh, yeah, Deha. I mean, I would have him up there typically. Right now, this year, I got him at 95. Once again, another segment. But then you got Tyreek Hill sitting at, like, I got him at 83. So that's a decent-sized jump off from these 100-catch guys. You know what I mean? That's 20 points. You're talking, you know, that's more than three touchdowns. I mean, that's 200 yards. So that's just to catch up in terms of points to these guys that are beasting in receptions. So no, I, I agree. I do. Like you said, with the weapons, I mean, basically Tyreek and Kelsey are like one A and one B. And both of those guys command between eight to 10 targets every game. And between the two of them, you have your typical wide receiver one, wide, wide receiver two, even though he's a tight end Kelsey. But yeah, they're, you know, that's, a, that's about what they are. I mean, there was only one game I think Tyreek Hill went over um, – there was two games he went over 10, 10 targets. So I'm not even talking catches, just how many times they're looking his way. Once he had 10, the other game he had 19. That was, yeah. the, game, that was the game he caught like 11 balls. But outside of that, he's catching four, five, six balls a game, which is fine if you're going to take one or two of them to the house and break a 50-yarder. But I typically don't like to count on those types of guys, even though at the end of the year, it, you know, the stats are there. That's that boom or bust where that can kill you in any given week. And if it happens in the wrong week, you're done. No, nah, listen, I completely agree. I'm the same way. I'd rather go with the, the consistency week in and week out than the, the up and down roller coaster. And that, that brings you to, you know, listen, Sammy Watkins had a decent year for when he was on the field. Uh, he, you know, he did a little more than I thought. Demarcus Robinson, listen, he, he had his time in the sun when Tyreek was injured, when Sammy was injured. But the one guy I want to ask you about is McCall Harmon. 
he really intrigues me this year, right? And, and the reason why he intrigues me a lot is because when we talk about the home run ability with Tyree Kill, we have to talk about Hardman. But the thing is, 21 per catch, 21 per play, six touchdowns, 538 yards and only 26 catches. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, we're talking a guy, if you double them up and you go uh, 52 catches, he's over 1,100 yards in just 52 catches. This guy can fly. And I think Andy Reid, just his eyes just pop out of his socket when he sees a guy like this. And I'm going to say I love Deshaun Jackson. So I'm not saying McCall Harbin is Deshaun Jackson, but to me he's that kind of player. And I think this could be the year where he gets up to that number two and he really excels. What do you think? He jacks light. Yeah, I, yeah uh, exactly. I like it. I mean, I, I think it's a fair comparison as, as to, you know, the stats that he'll put up. Um, he's not going to be a big catch guy. I mean, we just talked about Tyreek. He's not a big catch guy. But, I mean, how many burners can you have on one team and, you know, actually feed the mouths? So, you know, he his, his yards – you know, yards per catch last year were, you know, outstanding. But, you know, he had a, one catch for 63 yards and a touchdown. That was a game. You know what I mean? Two for 55 touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what, exactly. So, uh, the question is, is he going to start getting fed more than three, four targets a game? Um, which, typically, when they had, a, you know, when Tyreek Hill was back, he wasn't getting as many looks as when he was out. So, um, you know, he could take a step forward. It's going to be Mahomes' comfort level. It's going to be how many, you know, where he slots in. How many, you know, is Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill are going to be on the field, you know? So now Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, you know, they're, they're filling in as three and four receivers in certain sets, you know? So, you know, just the number of snaps. Fantasy football is a game of volume. You know, it's yeah. how many targets you get, how many carries you get. You know, obviously, you got to turn targets into catches. But, uh, you know, unless something happens to Watkins or, uh, or uh, Tyreek, I don't see the volume being there. Now, one of them goes down, whatever, something happens, and he's put into the spotlight, he could definitely be a serviceable uh, fantasy receiver this year, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, listen, another comparison could be when you had the greatest show on turf, you got Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, and Oz Akeem is your third guy, right? So you yep. have, you know, so this could be, obviously there is no Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce, but what I'm saying is, you know, Oz Akeem stepped up when Torrey or Isaac didn't play, and there were games where he was the targeted receiver based on the coverage they were seeing on the other side of the field. So I think he can be serviceable, like you said, based on what happens on the field. Brings it to Travis Kelsey. Listen, without a doubt, top tight end in the league. Uh, is there any arguments with that? I mean, can, can there be any arguments with that? I think there can be. I would take Kelsey one. Um, the only one that's even close to me, uh, Kittle. That's what I I'm mean, saying. I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm not ready to give him that nod yet. I'm not ready to give him the nod either, but – I mean, it, Kelsey's consistency is just sick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I do like Kittle. Like, I like the way he plays. I like his, uh, you know, just the personality that I see on the field. 
you know, in, in the stiff arms and like the running people over. But, you know, it's it's about consistency. So, to me, Kelsey's won, but uh, I won't be mad if I get Kittle. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, Travis Kelsey, 30 years old, right? So, he's not going to do it forever. And, you know, give him a couple years, and then, then we can talk about George Kittle. I think George Kittle is obviously up and coming, but I think Travis Kelsey for the next year to two to three is still going to be the guy. Uh, last year, 97 catches, 12, 29, and five. Uh, still 97 catches listen he is the guy that you entertain as your number one wide receiver in a league where you have a flex spot right he's a guy that if you don't have to draft a tight end he still lumps himself in to the wide receiver conversation so uh definitely something to look out for so i mean besides that we kind of touched on everybody you know this is going to be a high-powered offense get your guys get them early look at your sleepers on this team and just think about 30-plus points a game, a guy like McCall Hardman could be a stash guy because at the end of the day, you're going to have injuries. It's going to be a long season, a longer season, and you're going to have to put guys in on bye weeks and so. So, he, you know, he could be serviceable. Brings us to one of my most intriguing teams. I am so intrigued about the Denver Broncos. I'm excited about the Denver Broncos. Uh, I, I think this is the Drew Locke year. I do. I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be your, you know, top five fantasy quarterback, but I, I'm really excited because they have a ton of offensive potential on this team, a ton, and I can't wait to get into it because I'm still curious about the running back situation. I was shocked when they signed Melvin Gordon in the off season because uh, I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, as you was all, who's going to be the guy week to week? Is going to be Royce Freeman? Is it going to be Philip Lindsay? And now you throw Melvin Gordon to the mix. Probably like the biggest fantasy headache in the NFL. So before we even start talking about Drew Locke and we talk about the wide receivers, let's talk about the running backs for the Denver Broncos. What do you see going on in this backfield? Well, I I see uh, Rolls Royce. Uh, he, he, he's ta- he he's taking a back seat here. All right, um, he's going to be used very very little. Um, Gordon's going to get most of it. Lindsay's going to get maybe 30%, 20%. Cause I do not see them running Gordon into the ground. I mean, for the past, how many years it's been, it was Lindsay and Freeman before that it was Freeman and Devonte Booker. I don't know what the tandem was the year before that, but I mean, the, the, there's always like two guys, yes. you know what I mean? Yep. There's always two guys. You don't go and bring Melvin Gordon in unless he's going to be, one guy, like the main guy, they know, like they, they didn't even want to commit to Lindsay last year and still kept Freeman around, even though Lindsay had a great year, the, you know, the prior year. And so, I mean, I think them bringing in Gordon just kind of goes to show where their mindset is. Gordon's their guy. Lindsay will get some work, but they never really try. Even when he had that uh, great rookie year, the next year, somehow Royce Freeman's winning the uh, starting job the following year. So do you take Melvin Gordon as a running back one? Ooh, that's say that's a, good, a tough question, right? That's that's a good question. We know his we know his ability. We know what he can do, but will he get the opportunity to do that in Denver? I mean, you can take him. I don't. That's not really who I want as my number one. Um, there's other guys that I would prefer to have around. Oh, obviously. I got, I got Melvin Gordon. Uh, right, it looks like number 11. Um, okay. So before, right outside your top 10. 
yeah. And, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking uh, number 13, number 14. I'm taking those guys, probably number 12 before him. So obviously I'll make some adjustments to my uh, projections. But, um, yeah, he's, he's – uh, I would – I prefer him as a high-end number two than a number one. Here's the way I say it. The way I look at this situation is you have an old-school head coach in Vic Fangio, a guy who wants to run the rock, a guy who looks at a young quarterback in Drew Locke and says, what can I do to help him? And he goes out and they draft Jerry Judy. They draft K.J. Hamler. They have Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, who both had – Cortland Sutton had a fantastic year last year, and he's just going to get better. And you, Noah Font, nobody even talks about Noah Font, who, who had, had a quiet, really decent year at the tight end position. So he has built this offense to help Drew Locke, and that's why I really like Drew Locke. And I think Drew Locke could be a sleeper candidate for, you know, you're, you, obviously in, in two quarterback leagues, I would be very happy drafting Drew Locke. I, I, I really would be. I think he would be more than a bi-week fill-in because he just has enough talent around him to be able to do damage. And I see a lot of two-back sets with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I see it a lot. And I see, who are they going to zone in on? Who Are they going to zone, you know, they're going to give you single coverage on, on uh, Cortland Sutton? Single coverage with Deshaun Hamilton. Jerry Judy is, is, is fast and strong. K.J. Hamler, the same. And then you have Noah Font, who is your hybrid kind of tight end. It, it, there's going to be a lot of coverage issues for opposing defenses on the Denver Broncos. Yeah, uh, no doubt. You're a little higher on lock than I am. Um, look, anything's possible. It, it's going to come down how, to how much he gets through his progressions, all right? No question, they brought in. You look at the offensive weapons he has. They put in, they surrounded him with a bunch of talent. So that's not lacking. They're going to run the ball. Yep. Takes, the, takes it off of his shoulders. But if Court, Cortland Sutton's locked down and it's third and five, third and eight, and he has to start going through his progressions, is he going to be able to do that and have the accuracy to find his guys? You know? There's no question the weapons are there, and those weapons hopefully will get open, but is he going to get the ball to the right spot? Um, no, and, I agree. And that, that, that's a big I question. Agree. Um, you know, he didn't really put up great stats last year, and, it, I mean, granted, it was uh, limited time. Right. But, I mean, it, the one game he went over 300 yards, but he didn't really wow or impress, and some of that is just the Denver offense as well, you know. He had three of his three of the last five games he played. He was under 200 yards. The other game he was at 208. So he's not going to be a barn burner. And when you're only doing, you know, you're passing the ball 30 times a game, you have to think how much how much can that support all these miles at the wide receiver position? You know, 30 attempts. You're talking 20, 22 completions would be a good a good day. You know, so you're getting 22 completions and you got, you know, two running backs, a tight end, and four receivers. That's that's averaging about two 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 receptions apiece. <laughs> well, no, I get it. And we we know that. And obviously, you're right. I mean, this is going to be a, a run-first offense. It, it really is. But what I see out of Drew Locke, I see a lot of check downs. I see, I see Teddy Bridgewater written all over him, right? So Teddy check down. I see, I, I see that happening. I, 
and Melvin Gordon is, is, is the best guy. Listen, he made a living off of the Phillip Rivers check down, right? He made a living off of the screen out there in San Diego. So I think that's going to pad the Drew Locke stats, and I think it's going to pad the Melvin Gordon stats. So let me get to the wide receiver position because Cortland Sutton, I, you know, listen, I had a man cross on him last year, another man cross on him this year. I, I really think that his size, where he played, listen, 72 catches, 1,112 yards, six touchdowns, about 16 yards per play. He was a second-round pick in 2018. He's 24 years old, 6'4", 216. The guy can go up and get it, kind of like, a, a, you know, an Allen Robinson type kind of receiver. And he, he looked at him in the – whether it be Joe Flacco, whether it be Drew Locke, he was looked at in the end zone a lot. And I think that's where he's going to make his mark. But he showed he was that target where a young guy who you said it yourself may not have all the accuracy in the world can just throw it up and he needs somebody to go up and get it. And that's why I like Cortland Sutton. Yeah, and he, that was Locke's go-to guy. I mean, if there's such a thing. I yep. mean, he, t- he targeted uh, Sutton t- 10 times in two, in two of the f- five games he played at the end. So, Why not? Uh, right. right? Why not? <laughs> and and it, it, to me, it goes back somewhat to the progression. If he sees that his number one option, his best receiver, if he thinks he could get him the ball, he's going to do it because he's probably going to miss the window going to his second or third guy. That's who he was comfortable with. That's who he went after. And for the most part, it worked. You know what I mean? So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I mean, if, if there's a receiver to own, you know, you, we talked about the rookies and having a potentially tough time, you know, coming in the league. I could see K.J. Hamler being a, a nice kick returner type thing or, you know, just like coming in but not, you know, not really doing he's, – he's an explosive player, but he's not a, uh, a, a big catch guy. You know, like he's, he's right. a big play guy. He's not going right. to be catching all your, uh, you know, short dink and dunk balls. Sutton's the guy, and if if I gotta if I gotta take one of these receivers, I mean that's definitely the one that I'm taking. To me, it's not even close, um, you know. And and no offense, interesting. I mean, the one thing that I noticed about him, it, he he almost reminds me more of like a, oh, I don't even want to say a Kittle, but it's like he's not he he's running like seams. He's running them deep balls, like yes. not just you know yes. not like just plugging up the middle and this. I, I just – man, he, he's doing them big plays. I mean, you look at all the big play talent that they have, you know, for Locke to get them the ball, man. Well, that's, that's what's funny. I mean, we talk about Cortland Sutton at 6'4", 216. Noah Font, 6'4", 249. So, he's the same size height-wise as Cortland Sutton. So, in order to be successful as a young quarterback, like you said, not only do you go through your progressions, but you have to have guys who are willing to catch the ball. And you have two big guys like that. And then, you know, you have a guy running the seam, like you just said, in Noah Font, and a guy running a, a Y pattern in Cortland Sutton. That's going to leave Jerry Judy wide open across the little skinny post, which he, he may make a living on that running gun all year. So, you know, Jerry Judy to me is, is a, a, a really nice sleeper you know, to get in the later rounds as that, that one receiver that may not only be able to fill in for your bye weeks, but I think it could be very serviceable, especially in leagues where you're talking 12 or 14 teams and you're, you're um, what do you call it, you're starting three wide receivers per game. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, just for a general fantasy perspective, 
I don't like taking number two receivers on teams that don't pass the ball. If that if there's good a point. team that's, that's not going to pass a lot, I you know, and sometimes I don't even want their number one receiver. I mean, I, truthfully, I don't I don't really want any receivers from the Baltimore Ravens. I understand that Lamar Jackson threw 32 touchdowns or whatever he did last year. Uh, granted, Mark or Ed, yeah, Mark Edwards caught a lot of them, but you know, it's not like oh, you know, he's thrown 32 touchdowns. It's not a big passing offense, even though the touchdowns were there, but. It's not like you automatically want that number one receiver because it's just doesn't happen that way. But like I said, I'll, I'll take the number one there, but I don't see the passing attack enough to really warrant me going after him. I'll definitely take a flyer on him, but um, you know, number two receiver on a, uh, not a good passing team. I'm going to pass. Nah, listen, it's a good point. I, I, I get it. I understand. I just, something just intrigues me about that team. And well, and, and the, you know, the one thing that it's crazy because, you know, this is a fantasy episode. So it's crazy how like, no, I really have, you know, I don't have an interest in Judy this year, but in terms of the talent and the player, it's just, I could feel completely different about him if it was a different situation, you know? So it's not like, it's not the player. It's just the situation this year, what they're going into. You know, in his case, I'm not a big fan this year. Him as a player and him as a career, and who knows where where he'll be or who his quarterback will be or who the offensive coordinator will be in two, three years. But, you know, that's my stance for 2021. No, that's fine. And when we talk about rookies and we talk about Jerry Judy, we have to talk about Henry Ruggs and the Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden was in love with Henry Ruggs, who – Looks to have some minor moving accident. Uh, you know, really not going to get into that. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Let's not even comment on it because we never know what happened. But one thing's for sure, John Gruden drafted this kid to be a, a, an integral part of this offense. He goes to a team who, and we, you know, you talk about Josh Jacobs, who to me, huge, huge on Josh Jacobs this year, had a really good rookie season. But I think this team, we have to start with Derek Carr. And, you know, as much as we just talked about the Denver Broncos, we talked about a team that doesn't pass a lot. It's going to rely on a rookie quarterback. Here's a team that's going to rely on the arm of Derek Carr. So this team and these players, as far as fantasy purposes are concerned, are going to rely on Derek Carr. Are you ready to rely on this guy? And can he help us be fantasy football serviceable? I don't know. I, I do not. I like know. that. I, he, he is the ultimate, like, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Ups and downs. I mean, he, he's always put up okay numbers. I mean, for the most part, but you know, they brought in Mariota. Um, yep. You know, there was your boy, your him, boy. Yeah. There was talk last year, you know, last year about, you know, when Gruden was coming on about, he's not sold on car necessarily. I mean, the passing offense wasn't good. Not that they had a whole lot of, uh, you know, weapons. There, you know, he he was master of the checkdown. Uh, uh, huge. The checkdown was unbelievable with Derek Carr. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like we, we've seen Jekyll and Hyde, and I don't know what guy, it, you know, it's going to be. We've seen you know some of his worst football and some of his best football. Um, so I really don't know. My my biggest concern is 
how Gruden feels about him and yep. how much Gruden trusts him. And, you know, what I really, I'm one of the few things that we actually agree on is Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So, Oof. and you know, you said about check downs and who, who's a quarterback's best friend is to check down to the running back. You know, obviously after you buy the offensive line, a bunch of Rolexes, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> I but I mean, have, having that running back that could just swing out and, and catch them short balls, pick up chunks of yardage. And, you know, hopefully, and I'm banking on them using Josh Jacobs more in the passing game. So, I mean, Derek Carr, from a fantasy perspective, I really don't have any interest. But at the same time, I wouldn't say that I would be completely shocked if he was a top 12 quarterback. That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was 21 and 8 last year, 21 uh, touchdowns, 8 interceptions, which isn't terrible when you talk about, you know, touchdown to interception ratio. But the problem is 21 touchdowns is really low. Right. Uh, right. So that's one of the biggest issues. But when you look at this team, you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about John Gruden because he is a wild card. And I could tell you what, you know, you, you said it. When, when John took this job, it was all about Derek Carr and John Gruden. And let's not forget, John Gruden wanted Tampa. He wanted Tom Brady, not in Tampa Bay. He wanted Tom Brady in Las Vegas. Uh, so he was already looking to replace Derek Carr. So something tells me in my gut that Marcus Mariota is going to carve himself some kind of role in this offense as whether it be, you know, running some kind of hybrid set, okay, every now and then, you know, a la Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, and we'll get to that one day in the next couple weeks. But don't be surprised if Derek Carr underwhelms and Marcus Mariota is under center. And that's the crazy part about John Gruden. He is a wild card. So even if so, you look at this team with Josh Jacobs, the wide receivers, Tyrell Williams stepped up last year. He had, you know, when he was healthy and he could play, he, 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 he played very well. Hunter Renfro, you know, is that, that tween guy, right? We, we've seen this in the past. We know what kind of receiver he's going to be. You know, he is that. Wes Welker kind of guy, right? He is that Adam Humphreys kind of guy, right? That, that's the kind of receiver he is. He, you know, he's that third receiver, but he, he, he can be very, very deadly. And Henry Ruggs, don't forget about Nelson Aguilar, who, listen, we all know about Nelson Aguilar in Philadelphia, but Nelson Aguilar, if you put him in the right spot, he can produce. And then you have a guy in Zay Jones who never really hit his potential in Buffalo, but a guy who can play – and then we get to the tight end in Darren Waller, who I want to talk about right now because Darren Waller came out of nowhere last year. So what do you think about Darren Waller? Can he be even better than he was last year? Well, I will say I have Waller in just about every league because that was my big tight end sleeper. I will give you that. You, you talked about that, and I followed you with that, and he helped me out immensely. Yeah, so I, I was a big Waller guy last year. Um, you know, it – it also helped him. He was their he was their number one receiver. I mean, plain and simple. Ninety catches. But Tyrell was, was a little banged up here and there, Rens yep. catching a lot underneath stuff. But Waller was really the guy that Carr locked into um, for most of the season. He didn't have Waller had really. I don't even know how many touchdowns. Three. He, had. he only had three. I know it. Well, I know it wasn't uh, many. So I mean, I do look to see him 
improve on the touchdowns just because that's grossly low for catching that many balls with that big of a, a body. And, you know, I see, I see the touchdowns going up. I still don't see them, you know, competing with like the Zach Ertz of the world and, you know, getting eight touchdowns or, or, or things like that. But I could see five to six touchdowns is, uh, is probably in the range. Um, he'll probably take a little step back in terms of receptions. I think there's, uh, there, you know, there, there's more weapons, you know, a healthy uh, Tyrell. You got Renfro. I mean, you got the rookie. So, I mean, but once again, when you have a quarterback who's not the greatest, you know, who, who is questionable, and we're talking about it now, and just like we talked about Drew Locke and his comfort level with Cortland Sutton, Waller was that guy for David Carr. Or Derek Carr, Derek Carr, sorry. Not, uh, the, the, they, Derek, don't call me David. Yeah, they, yeah, David's uh, <laughs> in the NFL Network booth. Yeah, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I see Waller having a good year. He's not going to battle with uh, Kelsey and Kittle by any means. He'll take a little step back. I don't see him catching 90 balls but I see him as a clear top five tight end uh, for the, for the season, no doubt. Yeah. He, 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 for me was a guy who started out on fire, kind of hit a little wall a little bit. And I don't know if it necessarily was his fault. I think it was, you know, we talked about Derek Carr's inconsistencies, so it could have been that as well, but I know there was a lot of games that I watched where the throw was just off where that touchdown would have been there. That 30-yard gain would have been there. And it happened a lot. So I think those numbers could even be higher. So I'll tell you what, there, you know, there's no reason to not think that Darren Waller could be the third tight end in fantasy football, you know, after the top two guys, right? I mean, I, I, listen, I know Gronk is back in Tampa Bay. I get all that, but it doesn't mean Gronk's not going to have 100 catches this year, Okay. I know Zach Ertz, you know, we're going to get in that conversation. Everyone's called him elite. He's not elite to me, okay? And I, and I know Carson Wentz looks to him a lot. But Darren Waller, for me, is the number three tight end. So I, I'm drafted Darren Waller high. I really am. And, and to, to round this out, to, to get back to Josh Jacobs, because we didn't really touch on his, you know, his extraordinary year last year as a rookie. Uh, you know, a lot of people are always hesitant, including myself, to draft rookies extremely high when it comes to fantasy football, especially running backs, right? Running backs, it, 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 it's funny. You know, I think that the first running back I've ever selected in a fantasy draft as a rookie in the first round, I think was LaDainian Tomlinson, was my first guy. And besides that, I don't remember drafting many. I, I You know, obviously Saquon Barkley was one. wasn't my draft, obviously, but somebody else's. But – I did not expect him to be as electric as he was. I didn't. And and it wasn't because of the player he was. It was because of the team he was on. I just didn't expect the Raiders to highlight him in the offense. And him, I wasn't sure about their offensive line. I wasn't sure how Gruden was going to use him. You know, because you never know with John. He's a quirky guy. He's going to use Jalen Richard out there a lot. Which, you know, he did spell him here and there. But he averaged almost five yards per carry. Which was really good. And he had seven TDs. So he had 242 attempts. I mean, listen, that's that's a lot of work for a rookie running back. That's more than I would have thought. I would have capped him out at 200. So that number is just going to go up this year. 
And if you've seen some of his workouts in the offseason, my man is you – know, except to we'll get to the, the Steelers later with James Conner. But, you know, because that dude is just ripped. But Josh Jacobs, you know, between him and Miles Sanders, who we'll get to in another week, I'll tell you what, these, these two young guys, they're, they're going to set some fires out there, you know, in the NFL. And, and I have to be – Josh Jacobs, where does he fall in your running back list? I mean, you mentioned Melvin Gordon at 11. You get, Josh Jacobs, it, can, can he be top five? Um, well, Josh Jacobs was one of those guys that I had below Gordon just because I went through, I did all my projections. I really didn't go through and figure out where all the pieces fell. Hey, it's early, man. Which It's right. first week of June, right? So, so, Absolutely. But, but I have all my projections, so now I can see it sitting there. I'm not using it for a draft, but I see I have Jacobs sitting at 13. He's not Ooh. 13. Ooh, ooh. He's not 13. No he's, way. He's moving ahead of Chubb at 12. He's moving ahead of Gordon at 11. He's moving ahead of Aaron Jones at 10. All right. Now, really, I mean, I, I think we know our top five or four or top four or five. You know, can he be top five? I absolutely think he can. I mean, do you take him or do you take Lev Bell? I take Josh Jacobs. What about him? Uh, James Conner will probably move down. Him or Sanders? See, that's where it gets interesting because Josh Jacobs, you, you mentioned this when we talked about Denver. You talked about volume, right? And Josh Jacobs is going to get the volume. You know, we seen it last year, 242 attempts. He, he, he's going to at least plus 20 this year in attempts, right? He's going to hit 260, 270 even under John Gruden. My thing is what Miles Sanders does. Doug Peterson, we've talked about this before, right? Will Doug Peterson, just like Andy Reid offense with Damian Williams, will Doug Peterson profile Miles Sanders as that 220 to 230 attempt guy? I don't think he will as much as we want him to. I just don't think he will. And I think that's the only thing that holds Miles Sanders back from being compared with Josh Jacobs as far as fantasy production. Absolutely. And, you know, Sanders is going to catch more balls. Like he's, yes, he's going to be that guy where, and that's, that's really the upside of Josh Jacobs is how much, you know, they they're talking about, he's going to have more work in the passing game this year. And if that's the case, He's moving up boards. I mean, I wouldn't take him over Dalvin Cook, but you know, there was a lot of names that I threw out there. I mean, you're 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 looking at Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Lev Bell. Where does he fall? I take him ahead of both of those guys, no doubt. Joe Mixon, you know, Nick Chubb. I don't know. Like See, there, Joe, Joe Mixon, uh, I still think I'm ahead of Joe Mixon because I think Joe Mixon's going to have an interesting year on a team that still hasn't figured out their offensive line. And you're talking about a rookie quarterback. You know, we don't even know what's going to happen out there in Cincinnati. Yep. Austin yeah, Eckler, so, that's a good name, too. I mean, I like Austin Eckler, but I still take Josh Jacobs. Oh, Eckler is just ridiculous receiving the ball. Yeah, know? he so, is. He I really mean, is. Just like we were saying about, you know, Tyreek Hill in comparison to 100-yard, 100-ball, you know, receivers, you got Eckler catching 85, 90 balls. Like, even if he runs for 750 yards, but he's catching eighty, you know, eighty-five balls for like almost nine hundred yards. I mean, like it or not, that, that you know, the stats are there at the end of the day. 
So let's let's go right into it when we talk about the L.A. Chargers. Go right into Austin Eckler because last year we know what happened. We know about the holdout. We know about Melvin Gordon. When is he going to play, right? I drafted Melvin Gordon hoping he was going to play by week two. It didn't happen, right? So you had who's going to be the guy? It's going to be Justin Jackson. It's going to be Austin Eckler. And Austin Eckler just forced his way onto the field. And it was crazy because he had some ridiculous games, right? Ridiculous games. And then we get back to the number two spot as soon as Gordon came out, right? I mean, you're talking, he, he would get, a, you know, against Jacksonville. He has, you know, rushes for 101 yards. And then he has five catches for 112 yards. I mean, we're talking about 200 and 13 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns in one game, and he still doesn't get the love, right? So when he was the main guy in the first couple weeks, eh, he hit a little wall a little bit. His first week, he had three total touchdowns, so he did well. But as soon as Melvin Gordon came back, he kind of stayed, he took a step back, right? It wasn't his choice, obviously. So now he's the main guy. So can he continue to produce on a week to week basis, and I know what this. I know what your answer is going to be, so I'm going to let you talk because I, you know, we we haven't talked about the one big downgrade when it comes to the Chargers. So, can Austin Eckler be a top ten running back in fantasy football? Yes, I I'm not I'm not thrilled. I don't I don't necessarily want him as my number one. That, I was going to say, that was a, a very hesitant, uh, yes. Because, like you just said, not to cut you off, but you don't necessarily want him as your number one. And the reason why that's key of what you said is because you're talking about a 10-man league, and he's the 10th running back selected. There's Most chances are, depending on what kind of PPR league you're in, that that's going to be somebody's RB1. So that, that so that's exactly what you said is correct. Do you want him as your RB1? I mean, he had the most carries in his career last year was 132. All right. Right. So how much work is this dude actually going to get on the ground? Now, granted, he's had Melvin Gordon there. Right. So we don't know quite what his durability level is going to be. Um, they really, I mean, they got Justin Jackson who can, you know, who's decent at running the ball. He will not be in there on passing downs. That's Eckler's show. Um, but you also have, you know, like you said earlier, Philip Rivers love checking down to Gordon. Yep. And I don't want to get off of Eckler so quickly, but <laughs> I know numbers, where you're going. His numbers are going to be dictated by the guy that's throwing him the ball. So if Tyrod Taylor is going to be dumping the ball off, but that was never really his MO. He's more of a, oh, uh, the, the pocket's collapsing. I'm going to go and try to run um, and, and at least not just scramble out of the pocket and catch that check down necessarily. He's, he's always looking with his own legs. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't like Eckler as a number one running back. I think at the end of the year, his stats will be there. He'll definitely have at least 80 catches, or I should say at least 70. 80 is probably what I would expect. He'll probably get t- double-digit touchdowns, you know, whether it's six and four or five and five or whatever it is. He'll probably end up with 10 touchdowns. And then, you know, when you look at the all-purpose yards too, even though he may get, you know, let's say he gets 700 rushing and 800 receiving, that's 1,500 yards. 
if Josh Jacobs is only catching 200 yards in the, through the air and rushing for 1,300, their yards net-net, they wash. It's a wash. If Josh Jacobs runs for eight touchdowns and gets two in the air, that 10 touchdowns is a wash. You know? That's a good point. That's a good point. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the year, it'll be there. I just, uh, you know, I, I always have a tough time relying on the running backs that don't get the rushing workload and really only get the passing work. And I don't know how much – maybe they maybe they start running Justin Jackson first and second down and Eckler's – you know, may, you know, I'm not saying Eckler's only going to be a third down back. But I'm not saying that by any means. But you don't know how much work he's actually going to get on the ground you know, he's not, I don't see him being a workhorse. And it's funny, you mentioned Tyrod Taylor, and you think about this team, as much as I was so high, you know, on the you know, the Denver team, and we were high, obviously, for, for various reasons in Kansas City, because of who's on their center, and guys taking a step up, this team, I think everybody takes a step back, because we just don't know what to expect. Is it going to be Tyrod Taylor? Is it going to be Justin Herbert? Who knows what happens? You know, Anthony Lynn is going to have to make a lot of tough decisions on this team because I, I fully don't expect Tyrod Taylor to start for the entire year, either by his play or dictated by injury. One of the two is going to knock him out of some games, and Justin Herbert is going to have to play. What does that say for a guy like Keenan Allen? A guy who is obviously a wide receiver one, not by my standards, because you know what? He's one of those guys who bone me for like two weeks or two years straight, and I'll never draft him again. I'm drafting anybody except Keenan Allen. I'm just telling you that now. But from a fantasy analyst standpoint, I, I have to be – I can't be biased here. So I will say he is a wide receiver number one. But when you talk about him and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, I think they all take a step back because of the quarterback situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, if I had to pick a, a, my favorite breakout, it's going to be Josh Jacobs. And if I had for in the AFC West, and if I did pick my biggest bust, the flame out in the fire in the firebox, Keenan Allen. I mean, he's. I like not, that. I, like I don't. That. I don't even know that he's going to be a top twenty receiver. You know, uh, he's not going to have the targets. I mean, the Tyrod Taylor is not going to throw the ball like Phillip Rivers did. I don't know how that offense is going to run, but it is not going to be as good. And, you know, is this a repeat? Like, is Tyrod Taylor's career now to go somewhere who drafts a quarterback, <laughs> have the job for two games, and then lose it again? Maybe that's is, his role. Is that his M.O. now? It could because be. He will not, like you said, he will not be the quarterback in week 16. No, of course not. He definitely won't. And, again, it, 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 it's something against Tyrod Taylor. It's just been his M.O., like you just said. And it's, it's obvious why he was brought in, right? You let, the, you let old man Rivers go, who's been a staple in the community and a staple for the team. And you bring a guy like Tyrod Taylor knowing you're going to draft an heir apparent to the departed Phillip Rivers. And Justin Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert has an unbelievable arm. His, you know, obviously the biggest knock on Justin is his accuracy, just like a lot of young quarterbacks. We talked about that, like you said, and Drew Locke. And will he go through the progressions? Will he be able to hit the targets? Uh, but Justin Herbert, out of anybody, has, has a ridiculous strong arm. You know, it's, it's almost like 
And it's funny that we talk about Tyrod Taylor because Justin Herbert is almost like the Josh Allen, where Josh Allen was good, you know, uh, fantastic arm, but not a lot of accuracy, right? So we're seeing that already. So it could be the same kind of deal. Well, and think about it. You know, even when Tyrod was a decent starter up in uh, – I. I in, up in Buffalo. I wouldn't even say decent, but he was... He, he was, did some good things. He, he was manageable. Yeah. You, you look at... He was doing that because he was getting 500 yards rushing a year. All right? The dude's now 30 years old. So them legs are not going to be rushing for no 500 yards like they used to. And that, you, that was a part of his game that the other team... You know, the other team's defense had to respect. You know, you, it's like I'll dare him to, to beat me through the air because typically he wouldn't do it. But if he gets out of the pocket and starts running the ball, I mean, he, he was having, you know, four, five, six touchdowns every year on the ground, 500 yards on the ground. Uh, but he's now 30, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening this year. No, I, listen, I'm with you. If anybody on this team could take a step up, and benefit from, uh, you know, kind of like an inconsistent quarterback play. And what I mean by that is quarterback play that looks to be going down a field at will would be a guy like Hunter Henry, a guy who we came in last year with big hopes, but again, only played 12 games, right? He only played 12 games. He's, he's had the ACL injury. So, you know, a guy takes two years to come back from that, they say, right? He's had some quirks in his back. You know, even last year, 55 catches, almost 700 yards and five touchdowns. That very easily, if he plays in those other four games and he's healthy, could be in that 75 to 80 mark, right? So, you know, look at a guy like Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, a guy that will be looking to not only check down, but looking for that safety valve. And we've seen this in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, the reason why Zach Ertz, became such a very heavily targeted tight end because there was nothing open down the field. Now, obviously, the receivers on this team are a lot more talented than the ones they had in Philadelphia, but the same kind of theory exists, and that is look for the safety valve. And Hunter Henry, I think, could really excel under either one of these two guys. Yeah, and, you know, if he if he had another year of Phillip Rivers, yeah. Hunter Henry – you know, we were talking about Darren Waller and, and number three tight end and Oates yeah. and Hunter Henry could definitely be up there. And I guess he could even be up there with this quarterback situation. But I just uh, – and I've, I've said it before when, the, when there's the quarterback carousel and, you know, over the years of doing fantasy and just NFL, I mean, I've been doing fantasy for probably 25 years. And Ooh, just seeing – Yeah. <laughs> I know the gray. The gray beard says it all too. I love it. Um, but you know, I, I've seen how many times that there's a new quarterback that comes in, or or a new something, and old reliable who was catching all the balls from the old guy, the old quarterback. Now all of a sudden, new quarterback loves the number two receiver. You know, um, so Tyrod's going to be different, you know. Keenan Allen, Philip Rivers, he fed him the ball, and Philip was really getting into Hunter Henry, finally having him healthy and on the field and seeing what he could do. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what Tyrod does. He he has the weapons, that's for sure. I don't know that he has what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Oh, we shall see. 
And you all, you know, I was going to finish this segment by asking you, you know, sleeper, uh, you know, who, who do you think is, is going to be a boss who's going to be a sleeper? And you already said it. And, and, and you actually brand it a term for us right here on the Fantasy Firebox, right? So you have Josh Jacobs as the breakout of the AFC West, and you have Keenan Allen as the flame out. I love it. Flame out. I love it. The flame out player at AFC West and Keenan Allen. So we just broke down the entire AFC West in one hour, flew by. think this was fantastic. First ever episode of the Fantasy Firebox. Next week, we'll go with the other West, and we talk about the NFC, and pay homage to the runner-up in the San Francisco 49ers of last year's Super Bowl. So next week, we'll break down the NFC West, and when we talk about the Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, it's going to be a lot of interesting conversation because I'm already excited because I love me some Kyler Murray. So, John, as always, hey. go ahead, buddy. What do you got to say? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I'm digging my Kyler Murray, too. It, uh, every, uh, I love every, it's great. Every NFL team got questions, man. Ah, without we, a doubt. And we, we got all the answers. I, lo- I like that. <laughs> we got all the answers, baby. We got it. So, again, for John Coger at PGH, John 36, for Tony Jigsaw Cotillo at T Cotillo 23, again, catches at Heat Ratio Sports, whether it be YouTube, whether it be Google Play, Apple Podcasts, our Anchor homepage, Spotify, we're everywhere. Absolutely. Catch me every week, phillyinfluencers.com, Fox Sports, The Gambler. I do a fantasy fix on there as well. Catch John. Again, his spreadsheets are unbelievable. Always has something to say. And again, thanks for tuning in. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And we'll catch you again next week. Doing it for the love, so now I'm doing what I want.